the regular season and what a season it has been. Welcome into Fantasy Football Today DFS on Tuesday, January 4th. I am Frank Sample, joined as always by Mike McClure and Sian Ajad. You know the deal. It's Tuesday. We're going to recap week 17, take a look at our cash and GPP lineups. Who won our FFT DFS contest? What did that lineup look like? Are you serious? Those ridiculously tilting moments from this past week. And we will take an early look at week 18 pricing. Before we do all of that, Mike, how was New York City for the new year? New York City was great for the new year. I uh, had a great time. Just my girlfriend and I out there for a few days, but I enjoyed it. I uh, got to watch some football, won a few as well, some little sports line showdowns while I was traveling. So overall, very good time. Great way to welcome in the new year. All right. Are you one of these people that's like new year, new me? Because I noticed you shaved the mustache and I, I kind of prefer my Mike McClure with a mustache. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm definitely not. That just it was just something that happened yesterday, actually. But uh, no, not a not really a new year, new me. The routine is most same, but uh, perhaps you could talk me into something new. All right. Well, nothing new. We just need the mustache back. That that's that's how I prefer the Mike McClure. Uh, <laughs> see, how are we doing? I saw that Washington football team. They're officially changing their name. This big announcement. It's going to happen February second. Any guesses, suggestions for your? Favorite football team? You know, I, I liked the Red Wolves idea, but apparently uh, that's not even in the in the among the contenders. Which is, you know, Red Wolves would have gone the the fight song for the Washington football team, or what what was the fight song, which which included the word that we're not allowed to say anymore. That that is a really just when you're at that stadium and you're singing that song after every touchdown, it, it's a big deal. Like it just it just it gets the whole crowd you know in unison, and it's really fun. And Red Wolves would have gone with that fight song because same syllable starts with the same letter, you know, that kind of thing. So that's what I was pulling for. The names that I looked at, I, I wasn't really, you know, the commanders. I mean, none of these really, they're all going to be underwhelming once it's actually decided. So we'll just have to roll with it. Hopefully the team improves with an actual name. Yeah, you know, I actually think Red Wolves sounds pretty cool. Uh, and obviously they can make some uh, a pretty awesome logo out of that too, I would imagine. But per this report from uh, NBC Sports Edge, they said in a post from the football team's website, team president Jason Wright said the new name would not be the Red Wolves, a fan favorite. Something about trademarks. I think maybe just because it includes Wolves and I don't know, there's probably other teams named Wolves. Whatever. There's a lot of moving parts here, but new name coming soon. So excited to see uh, what happens there in Washington. Now, before we get into week 17 and recap that, let's just quickly talk about week 18 because this is a very... Weird week, and probably more so like the preseason than any other week that we've had uh, throughout the course of this regular season, because there's just a lot of moving parts. There's playoff implications, there's seating implications within the playoffs, there's motivation, there's uh, milestones, there's records to break, there's bonuses that certain players are chasing based on receptions and, and yards and touchdowns and all these different kind of crazy things. So hopefully, hopefully. By Thursday, I will have all of those things ready. I have some things ready as of now, but not nearly everything that I need. Sia, we'll start with you. I mean, what kind of things are you looking at? How are you playing the final week of the regular season in DFS? Because it seems very unique compared to any other week. I almost think of it as a condensed slate, like you might see, you know, like like we saw with, you know, Tuesday night football. Now, granted, that was just a two game slate, but, you know, sometimes during the playoffs, you know, you can play a four game slate. Like, I think that's sort of how we should look at it. Obviously, the teams that don't have motivation, that doesn't mean you should take them out of your pool, because if the coach is going to roll with the starters, 
then the starters are going to play. I mean, they, these guys are all playing for something, whether it's a, unless they're a superstar, maybe they sit, you know, you, the Aaron Rodgers is of the world. Are, are, if they play even a single down, I'll be surprised. Uh, and if they do, it'll be for one series. So I think you just need to focus on a, the teams that have really something that they're really playing for and b the teams that, well, maybe they don't have something that they're playing for necessarily, but you can trust that those players, that coach is going to have the players out there for four quarters because he wants to get the W. So obviously those high priority games, you know, take precedent a little bit, but it doesn't mean you ignore the games that like don't have any, uh, don't have any particular import. What you do ignore is the games where you know those starters are probably heading into the playoffs and they have nothing to play for. And they're either going to play a half, a series or a quarter. Like, you know, get make sure you get them out of your lineup. Mike, the word that I would use to describe the final week of the regular season, especially when it comes to DFS, is wonky. It's wonky. It's a weird week. So because of that, are you looking to play less volume this week compared to a normal week in the regular season? Yeah, I will definitely play less volume. Um, it, it'll be one where I will certainly pick my spots too, but uh, I won't be focused on large tournaments really at all. Uh, I think that it's going to take an incredible amount of luck, which would have to come through uh, a lot of volume to really go take down a tournament this week, just because there's going to be a lot of wonkiness, a lot of random combinations there. Um, the thing for me though would be focus on smaller entry fields, single entries, three maxes, and then potentially leave yourself open to late swaps because there are certain situations while the results would have to be pretty extreme in those early games, it's not impossible for them to happen, which could allow you to have a little bit of an advantage in those late swaps. Furthermore, we could get more news as far as late inactives, surprise inactives, or just general coach speak as far as who's going to see what number of reps for those later games. So for me personally, I'm sure I'll have at least one of my five lineups be coming from those late games or the majority of my lineup coming from those late games, just so I could wait as long as possible and let as many of those games play out before I have to make those decisions. So interesting too. This is a 13 game main slate. We have two games on Saturday. We'll have a podcast later in the week dedicated to that two game slate, but What's so interesting about Sunday is that seven games are at 1 p.m. and then you have six games in the afternoon slate. So nearly the same amount of games early versus late and we're not really used to that. So opens up a lot of possibilities for late swap as you mentioned, Mike. And of course, uh, I do think that there are I have to look more into this, but I think there are things that can happen in the early slate that maybe change the motivation of teams in the late slate as well. So these are all things that we are going to have to pay attention to here. And with that, let's dive into week 17 recap. The cash line in cash games was right around 135 points over on DraftKings, which is actually down a tad from last week. And let's take a look at the highest owned players in the $25 massive double up over on DraftKings. Uh, of course, Trey Lance at quarterback was 67% owned, made a lot of sense. He was only $4,800 and he got there. He was, he was great in that game. Uh, no other quarterback was over 5%. And rightfully so. At running back, we had four over 30% ownership, starting with Sony Michelle and then David Montgomery, Jonathan Taylor, and Ronald Jones. Each of Chase Edmonds, Devin Singletary, and Darrell Williams were also in double digits. At wide receiver, we had three players over 40% ownership. That included Antonio Brown, 
more on him a little bit later. Cooper Cup and Braxton Berrios. And then at tight end, uh, we only had two in double digits. Kind of a weird tight end week, but Steven Anderson, who was the minimum price, there was no Donald Parham. There was no Jared Cook in that game. Uh, and then Foster Moreau, uh, oddly enough, there in double-digit ownership as well. Let's start off with Sia's cash game lineup here, and he puts up a pretty big one, pretty big score here, 170.56. You have Trey Lance at quarterback, Sony Michelle and Devin Singletary at running back, Cooper Cup, Braxton Berrios, and... Zay Jones at wide receiver, Jonathan Taylor in the flex, Zach Ertz at tight end, and Washington football team defense there uh, at just $2,500. You managed to get both in there. See, you had Cooper Cup, you had Jonathan Taylor, and you were able to do so because of the value in Trey Lance, Zay Jones, and Braxton Berrios. And I think it kind of makes sense, right? Like paying up for the players that have the highest floor in fantasy I mean, those are the two players. It's Cooper Cup and, and Jonathan Taylor. Though, I've noticed Taylor's targets have come down uh, a little bit recently the, the past couple of weeks. Anyway, you needed the value, and you absolutely hit on it here with Zay Jones and Braxton Berrios. It's a bold call, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I didn't want to play Braxton Berrios. So I kind of got lucky there. I only made two cash lines this week, and Braxton Berrios was in this one. The other one, which also cashed, by the way, didn't have Braxton Berrios and had a much lower score, but still managed to cash. But it was important to me to fit in Jonathan Taylor and, and Cooper Cup into my cash lineups. And I knew I, I could probably do that with Trey Lance and Zay Jones in my lineup. Uh, and then obviously I had to work in Braxton Berrios because, it, you know, you didn't you didn't have much value below Devin Singletary at, at fifty four hundred. So, yeah, I mean, not much to say about this lineup. I, I played a lot of the chalk, a lot of the the high volume guys. Obviously, you know, when it comes to some of the lower owned guys, Zay Jones, we talked about him last week. I, I specifically said I didn't really want to play him in GPP lineups. I'm sure he made his way into some of mine, but he was more of a cash play for me because I really liked his floor. It was his ceiling that I questioned. Well, it turns out his, you know, his ceiling, this is kind of a ceiling result here. So, you know, kind of got lucky there, but I knew he was good for 15, 16 points and that he would uh, outkick his coverage from a price standpoint. So yeah, everything worked out here. I was in love with Zach Ertz. I'm surprised he was as low owned as he was. Uh, with that said, he wasn't as amazing as I thought he would be. But really, you know, when you have a Trey Lance situation like this and you have a couple low owned receivers, you can fit in the high volume guys, at, at the high volume expensive guys, which is exactly what I was going for here. Yeah, and I think Stars and Scrubs makes sense specifically in cash if you can find these so-called scrubs that have a viable role in their respective offense. And that has been the case for Zay Jones. We spoke about that on last week's podcast. Braxton Berrios, obviously with no Jamison Crowder, with no Elijah Moore. The targets have been there for him recently as well. Uh, and you know they're just finding ways to get the ball in his hands. So it's, you know, kudos to the Jets and Braxton Berrios. I want to stick right there, Mike. How did Bar- I like... I knew Berrios was an okay value, but how did he wind up so chalky? I mean, this is crazy. He up over 40%, some contests 50%. How did we get there with Braxton Berrios? Yeah, I mean, I think that, full disclosure, I got there as well. I actually manually excluded him from my first cash game, had him in the second one a lot, probably a lot like Sia as well. Uh, Optimizer was very high on him. And I think the reason for it is just we projected such a great game script for them. We expected the Jets to be trailing most of this game. They were actually ahead most of the game. It was Tampa Bay that came back, but it was because Berrios was so good early uh, in this contest. But, yeah, it's just really having certain players that are chalk when you have that chalk build with someone like 
Trey Lance at quarterback. You know everyone's going to play Cooper Cup. It just lends itself to needing one of those value-wide receivers. And it looks like the field all went towards Braxton Berrios, which you know makes a lot of sense. We projected the Jets to be throwing a lot uh, and, and be trailing. And he got there despite them actually leading. Uh, not really in large part. He would have got there either way without the, for the second touchdown. But, uh, yeah, got a rushing touchdown in this game. Completely random. And I got to ask you guys, because it just popped into my head. The Jets are so bad. Like, we <laughs> know that they are bad. And I, I kind of, I didn't know what to root for at that point. Because I'm like, okay, I want the Jets. You should want the Jets to lose, obviously, for draft positioning, so on and so forth. But the fact that Zach Wilson was that close to actually beating Tom Brady. Like, I was actually pretty hyped about that as a Jets fan. So, see, I mean, how do you handle that, right? Like, let's say Washington football team, I don't know, we're not we're not really in that far of a, that different of a position, I, I would say, uh, between Washington football team and the Jets. But, like, do you root for your team to lose? Do you root for them to, to beat one of the best quarterbacks? Like, what do you do at that point? I mean, if you're going for the first pick, I, I get the sentiment to want the team to lose. But I always think momentum's involved even year to year, especially with a young quarterback. So I, I would have definitely been rooting for the win. And honestly, if it wasn't for a botched fourth down call on fourth and two, where apparently they called a QB sneak, but really Robert Sala had something else completely in mind. I, I don't know if you heard this story, but they were supposed <laughs> yeah. to run an end round, I think, to Braxton Berrios, yep. some sort of reverse, which I'm sure actually kind of. I'm sure that would have worked. You don't really QB sneak on fourth and two typically. So it's just funny how it all worked out. And, you know, Tom Brady with wide receiver threes and fours ended up scoring a touchdown. So, I mean, it's not a big deal for the Jets. I think you're right. It would have been cool for Zach Wilson to get that W. It's the perfect end to the Jets season, right? Like Tom Brady has done this my entire life to the Jets in that very stadium. So it's like, why would it change at this point, right? Let's move on over to Mike's cash game lineup here. And he puts up a 122.96 Trey Lance in at quarterback, Sony Michelle and Darrell Williams at running back, Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, and Antonio Brown at wide receiver. You go with the dual tight ends with CJ Uzama and Steven Anderson as the flex. And then the Pats, DSC down at the bottom there. They were very expensive, but of course they were going up against the Jaguars. They put up a 50 burger and you know, they, they paid off their, their salary there. Um, Mike, my first instinct was to question, you know, Tyreek Hill and this lineup and the fact that you had those two tight ends in there. You know, we talk about maybe paying up for one tight end and kind of treating that tight end as a wide receiver. Obviously neither of these tight ends can be viewed uh, in that light, but ultimately Tyreek Hill saw 29% target share in a game that combined for 65 points. So I, I guess I could just say, hey, Tyreek Hill's floor is probably lower than other people in that price range, but he had the role that you wanted to that you wanted him to have in this very game. Yeah, he definitely did. Uh, as far as the two tight ends, this is the exact thing I was telling you about. Basically, I had Braxton Berrios in this one as well. Ended up removing him and paid up for defense instead of punting down a defense. Had Anderson in there. Optimizer was loving Anderson a little bit. In hindsight, if I would have actually projected him to be almost twice as owned as CJ Uzama, I would not have played Anderson at 14%. I was fully expecting that to still be a single-digit ownership. Um, so I, I was not very thrilled to see that result. And then as far as Tyreek, though, uh, wasn't as popular as I thought he would be. So I was actually quite thrilled. Um, and then the real problem having Antonio Brown in every single lineup as well, uh, just, you know, getting 15 fantasy points from Tyreek Hill and Antonio Brown, no matter what you do elsewhere, that's usually not going to be a recipe for success. Yeah, especially when you combine those salaries together, right? So you're looking at something like 
over $14,000 worth of salary on DraftKings. So yeah, it is going to be pretty hard to come back from that. See, I mentioned that I think, I don't know if you could really argue against it, but it seems like Tyreek Hill, especially this season, has a lower floor than we've seen in the past. Would you shy away from maybe playing him in cash games? You know, obviously things can change in the offseason, so we'll have a lot of time to to see what happens next year. But ultimately, just moving forward, right? Like Tyreek Hill in cash, do you think the floor is maybe too low to, to trust him in that format? Probably. I mean, I do think it's slate dependent and I do think it's game dependent. I mean, this was a pretty good matchup against the Bengals in his bad game prior to this game. Could have you could have attributed that to coming off of COVID. He was kind of winded right when that game started. So I don't mind him in cash, uh, but I, I do. I do tend to agree with you. I, I would I you know, I probably might have tried to spend that money on Jonathan Taylor, which, by the way, also didn't really work out. So um, I don't really have a problem with it in cash, but I agree with the sentiment. I definitely think it's more of a GPP play at this point. And honestly, I kind of I would say the same thing about Travis Kelsey. Yeah. And look, I think it makes sense the way that you build your cash games, Mike, because they usually have more of a GPP feel to them. And obviously you're looking more at ownership in cash games than definitely the average person and probably like realistically more than me or or even Sia at that point. So what do you think in hindsight? do you think maybe you should avoid Tyreek Hill in cash games, maybe moving forward, maybe throughout the playoffs? So, I mean, a little bit. So for me, I still am looking at like projected targets for, for the most part. So when I'm locking in Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, and Antonio Brown in that spot, I basically was attempting to lock in 30 projected targets uh, between those three players. It just you know didn't materialize, but he still had six catches in this game. Uh, anytime he's getting six catches, we would expect that number to not be 40 yards. I would expect it to be, you know, 65, 70 yards could get in the end zone looking at a much different day. But, uh, as far as whether or not I would play him, uh, in cash, I personally, obviously I did, so I would do it, but, um, it it really just comes down to ownership. Ownership starts to creep up neighboring areas on someone like Cooper cup and some of those other guys. Then the answer is a very clear no. Uh, but when it's still half that of Cooper Cutter players, then I'm still very interested personally, uh, just because, you know, the team, what, they put up over 30 points again, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And again, like the team context in hindsight, it, like the game was perfect. It was, you know, 65 combined points and a ton of targets there for, I have an alarm going off, excuse me, for uh, <laughs> for Tyree Kill in that game. Uh, let's Go over to my cash game lineup here. Uh, managed to do it again. I think I've cashed in like four of the last five weeks in terms of cash games, so it's yeah, it's working. Something's working here. Uh, 151.26, I have Trey Lance at quarterback, David Montgomery and Sony Michelle at running back, Cooper Cup and Antonio Brown, and Braxton Berrios at wide receiver, CJ Uzama at tight end, and T. Higgins at flex with the Bears DST uh, down at... They were 15% owned. Yeah, they're actually pretty owned at $3,200 over on DraftKings. The last thing to figure out in this lineup was what to do at Flex. I had all this money left, and I didn't really know what to do. My final 2v2 was actually Jalen Waddell and Zay Jones versus T. Higgins and Braxton Berrios. I think I would have cashed regardless, but uh, obviously I I went with the latter here. See ya. What would you have done there? T. Higgins and Berrios versus Zay Jones and Jalen Waddell in hindsight. I would have gone Higgins and Berrios only because I, I didn't really play any Jalen Waddle this week. So while I did play Higgins and Berrios, so yeah, that, that would have been the play for me. 
Yeah, I think Jalen Waddle wound up something like 20% owned in cash games this week, and the price got up there, 6700 uh, The Titans even just did a great job against the, the Dolphins and, and Tua in particular, so there just really wasn't much to go around here for the Dolphins' offense this past week. Mike, how about you when it comes to that 2v2? Zay Jones and uh, Jalen Waddle versus T. Higgins and Braxton Berrios. Yeah, for me, it would have been exactly what you did, uh, especially seeing the ownership on Higgins here at that point. Like, we kind of knew with the price increase, people would be off of him, but I would definitely expect him to still be 10% owned, uh, just considering the overall game environment. So I, I love what you did here. I think this lineup was great. All right. And uh, I did notice neither of you guys used David Montgomery at running back, which uh, I... I think it's okay in hindsight. Like we had a bunch of options in that 6K or less range. Obviously, Mike used Daryl Williams, and you were all over him. And uh, see, we'll talk about this in a little bit. You, you, it seems like you had a stance on De- uh, Devin Singletary, and he came through once again. So kudos to you for making that happen. Let's just talk about Antonio Brown here for a second, and, and that will lead us into uh, Are You Serious from Week 17. Yeah. That's. Jeez, man, what a mess I am. I don't even have the right things loaded up here. That was uh, Chris Towers singing, by the way, if anyone was wondering. So that was beautiful great. Voice. Uh, beautiful voice. Yeah, it was a beautiful voice. <laughs> you serious? Are you serious, Antonio Brown? Look, I hope everything is okay in your life. And if you need to seek services or... Uh, look, I'm not trying to make light of any mental health situations here. I am rooting for Antonio Brown to get himself back on track. Something is clearly not right. You know, he goes and waltzes off the field in the middle of the game, starts throwing his stuff into the stands, whatever it might be. You know, there was talk about, you know, he, he said he was injured. The team didn't think he was injured. There's a bunch of back and forth here. But anyway, Antonio Brown, what are we doing, man? Like, we've we've got to figure this out one way or another. I, I think we've probably seen the last of Antonio Brown in the NFL, which is sad. It's frankly sad because one of the, I, I feel confident saying this, one of the best wide receivers that I have watched in my lifetime to see him kind of go out like this and, and kind of flame out in the NFL, uh, it's sad. It's sad to watch. So my Are You Serious goes to uh, Antonio Brown, just obviously everything, the way that that played out in that game there. It was, uh, it was a very odd thing to watch. I don't know if either one of you have an opinion on the matter of, I don't know, whatever's going on in Antonio Brown's life. I don't have a strong opinion. I I, I do want, I, I hope we get clarification as to what happened. I mean, if he thought he was too injured to go back in, it begs the question, why was he even available to play? And I almost selfishly asked from a DFS and, and year-long fantasy standpoint. But the the reality is, you know, when you go into pregame warmups, you either trust your ankle or you don't trust your ankle. And maybe he just thought he could go and then realized in the middle of the game he couldn't. And if that was actually the case and he articulated that to his, you know, offensive coordinator or wide receiver coach or Bruce Arians, then they should have respected what he said there. So I can understand them saying, well, you get in there and he's like, no, I can't. And I can understand him sort of popping off. He does have like a pretty quick trigger um, from what we've seen in the past. So uh, if that's the case, I don't lay as much blame on Antonio Brown. I just think it's a very confusing situation because clearly those are issues that should have been hashed out before the game started. Yeah. What are the deets? We need the details in this uh, current situation. What do you got, Mike? Yeah, I would just say to that point, uh, he also did miss practice late in the week. Like He practiced early in the week and then missed practice because of the ankle. So it's very, very interesting and very confusing. Um, who knows if we ever get real details on it, but I do agree with Sia. If he was on the field and said that he was injured 
and could not continue to play. I personally am in the camp that says you, you don't ask him to play uh, if he missed practice that week because of the injury. But that's just me personally. I would I would think that someone of his experience would know whether or not he could be effective running routes. Uh, just as you mentioned, he's one of the best wide receivers we've seen. Uh, so that's just my my take on it. It's very interesting. Obviously, very unfortunate the way that it unfolded. And we'll, we'll see. I don't know. They actually still haven't officially cut him yet, have they? No, I, I actually was just scrolling through Twitter to see if I missed anything regarding the situation. But uh, apparently he was sitting courtside at the Nets game last night. Yep. And... Still has not been cut from the Tampa Bay Bucks, though. Uh, right after the game, Bruce Arians said that uh, Antonio Brown is no longer with the team. So maybe he's starting to learn some more details about the situation, whatever occurred. Maybe Tom Brady is in Bruce Arians' ear like, nah, come on. We're keeping sure. Antonio Brown. That's my guy. Uh, are you I serious? Think I think he's getting cut, though. I, I think this yeah. is more of an administrative thing in terms of the timing as to when they should cut him just from a financial and, and legal standpoint yeah. is my guess. Yeah, and I think I think Antonio Brown was like a few yards and a few catches away from some bonuses in his contract too. So just a Several. very odd situation all around here. Sia, do you have a uh, tilting situation? Are you serious from this past week? Yeah, it's Travis Kelsey. I mean, you know, we'll see my GPP lineup. I had a really good one going again with Joe Burrow, and I, I should have had more Joe Burrow lineups, but others got in the way of that. Matt Stafford again, for example. Uh, but Travis, like he's he's just not the production's really bad. He's not getting down the field at all. And granted, he had a couple of plays that were called back in this last game, but catching five of seven targets for 25 yards. I mean, it begs the question, like, are you playing for the Steelers or are you playing for the Chiefs? <laughs> because it's like, it, it doesn't really make any sense in a wide open game with plenty of points. Now, granted, Kansas City kind of got shut down in the second half, but you score 30-some points. Travis Kelsey, Kelsey should be a big part of that. Great, Daryl Williams got some. We thought he would, and he helped us out quite a bit. But I just – I don't get it. I don't get it. They're preventing the deep stuff, okay? That's what defenses are doing. Two deep safeties. We're not going to let Tyreek Hill get past us. You would think that would open up the middle of the field to a degree for Travis Kelsey, and it's just not happening. Yeah, this is probably a question for somebody who's way smarter than me from a football perspective and maybe a film-watching perspective as well. It could just be that Travis Kelsey is getting up there, the age model, you know, kind of catching up there with Travis Kelsey, but he's been held under 30 yards in three of the last four games that he's played. The one where he wasn't was a game where he obviously went off 10 catches, 191 yards, and two touchdowns. So maybe we were kind of chasing that a little bit. It was a really good matchup with the Bengals, and as we'll see with the GPP lineups, I actually had him in there as well. Uh, we actually wound up with a similar lineup. See ya. Uh, Mike, anything that you'd like to add in terms of a tilting moment from this past week? Yeah, we'll tilt with the Chiefs as well. Uh, I don't want to like really add the insult to Sia there, but if you go back and watch, he should have had two touchdowns in the game. He mm -hmm. was tackled at the half-yard line. Mahomes threw him a little out that would have been the second touchdown, and Travis Kelsey got hit on contact, did not extend the ball into the end zone to score the touchdown. One of those, as you're getting pushed out of bounds, he could have mm -hmm. pretty easily as a tight end, big tight end in the league extended the arm enough to score the touchdown, did not. Darrell Williams ran it in the next play. Uh, but yeah, he should have had two touchdowns. Um, but mine's going to be Tyreek Hill. Uh, I got the 10 targets I projected. He had six catches, and we still only put up 10 fantasy points. And that's very frustrating when he score, the team scores 30 points. Um, yeah, I, I love the play. 10 targets, six catches, 40 yards, no score. Just more of the same from the Kansas City Chiefs. They're Getting it done for the most part uh, from a real life NFL perspective. And, you know, looks like they're 
set to make a pretty deep run into the playoffs as well. But for whatever reason, this offense uh, has has been pretty frustrating from a fantasy perspective, from a DFS perspective for a large portion of the season. Let's move on to our GPP lineup review. What did you need to win big? Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase. Chase went 11 catches, 266 yards, three touchdowns. What a bad job. You know, we're, we're what, 28 minutes in this is the first time that I'm talking about Jamar Chase. This guy is absolutely ridiculous. LSU, man, that is a wide receiver machine. They are churning out superstar after superstar. Just after we saw Justin Jefferson's rookie season, you say, look, there's there's no way another rookie could come in and, and come anywhere close to what Justin Jefferson just did. Jamar Chase has officially surpassed what Justin Jefferson just did over a 16-game sample, which, of course, is how many games Justin Jefferson played last year. So it's just kudos to Chase. The guy is absolutely ridiculous. Amonor St. Brown, also monster game here from a GPP perspective. 38.4 points over on DK. And if you manage to play either of the big-name Seahawks, I'm not talking about Tyler Lockett, of course. Rashad Penny and DK Metcalf, mm-hmm. they also had massive games here in this spot. Let's start off with Mike's GPP lineup. Puts up 160.62. You have Kyler Murray to Zach Ertz as the stack. You have Sony Michelle and Darrell Williams as the running backs. You have Cooper Cup, uh, age, nope, Antonio Brown, and Braxton Berrios at wide receiver. And then CJ Uzama at tight end. So again, you're running with the two tight end set. Uzama and Zach Ertz at the flex. And then, of course, you wrap it up with the Bears DST. Mike, my only question to you is, was it different enough? I know you get Kyler at 5.5% and you get Zach Ertz at 12%, which is fine. And you run no bring back, which actually turned out to be the right call because, I mean, I don't know. The Cowboys are, are kind of a mess right now, too. Uh, so what do you think? Do you think this lineup was different enough from a GPP perspective? No, definitely was not. Um, okay. And obviously, its upside was still hurt by Antonio Brown. Uh, you know, 28% is a lot, but it's not 70% like cash games. But yeah, it definitely was not winning any sort of tournament. Um, should have cashed nicely. I mean, it's still cash, but um, yeah, what definitely wasn't one of my my best lineups out there. That's for sure. How about you, Sia? Did you wind up with any uh, Kyler Murray stacks this past week? I played him naked in maybe one of my 10 or 11 GPP lineups. Uh, I don't think I, oh yeah, of course. I had him with Zach Ertz. So I definitely had him in at least one lineup with Zach Ertz. And I think I had him in one lineup standalone. All right. Well, speaking of your GPP lineups, see, let's pull this one up. And you put up a 192.94. You have Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase and CJ Uzama with Travis Kelsey on the bring back. You had Sony Michelle and Devin Singletary at running back, you had A.J. Brown and Zay Jones fill out the rest of your wide receiver spots and Washington football team defense down at the bottom. Obviously, the Bengals stack here was everything, you know, getting the the 58.6 out of Jamar Chase and obviously everything that Joe Burrow did as well. I mean, the past couple of weeks, the guy has just absolutely been on fire. I love the, per, the ownership percentages here as well. For anyone watching on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash fantasy football today, um, these are great. I mean, you get Shamar Chase at sub 5%, AJ Brown there at, you know, right around 8%, Zay Jones right around 6% as well. The problem was just really AJ Brown was was a letdown. Uh but but the ownership made him a great play. Yeah, I was really going back and forth on AJ Brown and and I and I didn't mind putting Kelsey in there. I'm I'm okay with that in spite of the result, especially, you know, knowing what Mike just reminded us of, you know, he could have had one or two touchdowns pretty easily and kind of smashed 
The A.J. Brown one was really frustrating, though, because I didn't really play him much anywhere. I mean, this might have been the only tournament lineup I played him in. But, I mean, let's 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 be clear. The upside was definitely there. But I guess what I wish I had done is maybe pay down off A.J. Brown, which would have allowed me to come off the Washington football team defense and paid up for what Mike did, which w- was play the Bears. And if I'd played the Bears and found a receiver to pay down with – this probably would have been a takedown. It's just my guess. If I had a good like 6K receiver or 65, like let's say a Tyler Lockett, for example, or DK Metcalf, because I was considering Tyler Lockett in, in my stacks. If I put him in there, oh, well, Tyler wouldn't have been a good one. DK Metcalf, and I paid up for the Bears defense. This could have been a takedown. But, you know, still a good lineup. I certainly played some chalk there with with Sony, but otherwise definitely different. I'm surprised Burrow is still getting, you know, 5% ownership or less, frankly. Yeah. Mike, I, look, when it comes to A.J. Brown, I, I think on any given week, he's a good GPP play because the upside is massive. And given his salary, I mean, he was still 7,200. He was likely going to be lower ownership here in this spot. I just think the problem is the team that he plays for, right? I mean, the Titans are a good team. They like to run the football, and that's part of their team philosophy. So unless they're trailing in a game or they wind up in some shootout, which really does not happen all that often for the Titans we have a lack of consistency when it comes to A.J. Brown. Yeah, we do, but I, I do think that this is the appropriate place to use him. Is in a tournament like that, uh, you're getting it sub 10%. Uh, another example, uh, they put up 34 points. If I told you they put up 34 points mm-hmm. on their home field without Derrick Henry, without Julio Jones, without some of those weapons, like I'll take my chances on that every single time uh, just because I, I think it's a great play. I, I played A.J. Brown and Antonio Brown both, but I played into, uh, A.J. Brown this week quite a bit as well. Uh, I really, really like the spot for him. So the, the Dolphins are a team that plays a lot of like press man coverage, which should have been a spot that A.J. Brown should have excelled in, in my opinion. So I personally love the call. So and let's be real. Let's be real here, though. The, 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 the reason he didn't get more production is because Miami couldn't do anything. And the expectation, especially after seeing Miami the last few weeks, was that at the very least they would push them. That would be somewhat of a back and forth that Miami would score somewhere between, I don't know, 17 and 20 points conservatively. So I think that's what we were looking for more of that back and forth. Anytime you get a 34 to three game, obviously the wide receivers are going to be minimized a bit. The last thing I wanted to hit here, Sia, is Devin Singletary again. I mean, it seems like you took a stance to play him. You had him in your cash lineup. You had him in this GPP, and it it turned out to be a great play. I mean, he's now priced up a little bit more. He's 6K this week going up against the New York Jets. But how did you get to Singletary? Was it just trying to find leverage in that similar price range as, as other chalk running backs? It wasn't so much finding leverage, although that was part of it. It was just it, it was just the price. I mean, so we had a lot of guys in this in the fifty eight hundred to sixty three hundred range that were really chalky, from Rojo down to Penny down to Sony Michelle Daryl Williams. I was really big on Sony Michelle and Daryl Williams. I wish I'd played more Penny. I didn't really get around to Rojo because of his price. So really, it was those just like the week before. It was like four chalky running backs that I wanted to play, and Singletary just became more just the more of a price conscious play for me. So I played him a lot, but I certainly played Sony and Daryl a lot too. Those were the three I was really focused on. All right, let's wrap up our GPP conversation here with my lineup, which wound up putting up 191.14. And just like C, I had Burrow to chase and Uzama with Kelsey on the bringback. I also had Daryl Williams in this lineup. So really just looking to stack up that entire game. Sony Michelle was my other running back. I had a mini stack of Christian Kirk and Michael Gallup, the other Game with a big total on the slate. And then the Texans DST, which checked in at 3% ownership, which I actually, 
I really liked uh, because it was, you know, Trey Lance, rookie quarterback. And if you look at the Texans defense, they had been playing pretty well recently uh, against even better quarterbacks than Trey Lance. So uh, I think that was fine at their price point. The, really, this was an interesting lineup because I was top 10 in this contest and, I, and we were texting about it going into the afternoon games. And I had to decide whether or not I wanted to stick with this Christian Kirk and Michael Gallup mini stack. And ultimately, I did. Uh, but, you know, there was a lot of decision points involved. Brandon Cooks was available, DJ Moore, the other Cowboys wide receivers, the other Cardinals wide receivers. Ultimately, uh, I stuck with this com uh, combination. And Mike, what did you think about that? I liked it a lot. I, I think it was great. And I, I felt really bad for you instantly. I was watching the game because I bet on the Arizona Cardinals and I Gallup, like I did not like to see him score the touchdown. And I was like, oh, wait, that's Gallup. And I was rooting for you so hard because I knew you were going to leave him in there. And then, of course, tears his ACL out. Probably would have had, uh, you know, at least 20 fantasy points in that game. I think he would have been a popular target, go, uh, you know, in the rest of that game. So, uh, but yeah, this lineup was great. Um, you know, I've already talked about Travis Kelsey missing a touchdown. Like, this is very easily 215 points or plus, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, I got passed up late by some Trey Lance lineups. Obviously, you know, if you use Trey Lance in single entries or three max this past week, it just allowed you to do so much and, and get up at so many different spots. So get passed up a little bit late. It was, you know, a, a modest return. I think, yeah, I still finished 13th in the contest out of like 1,200 people. So we'll see what happens next time, right? We'll see. Uh, obviously, um, didn't work out this time, but it, it was still, I think, an, an okay lineup. Before we hit the break, I want to let everyone know if you want to play against us. It's the final week of the regular season. Yes, we're still going to run the contest throughout the course of the playoffs, but only one full slate of football left. You want to play against us again. It's uh, over on DraftKings, $5 to enter, 150 entries. The link is in the podcast and the YouTube description if you would like to join. And I want to give a shout out to the winner of our contest this past week, Chubby Checker, who scored 216.54, and he wins $135 in the contest. Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, and then also had Darrell Williams, Devin Singletary, and Sony Michelle at running back and flex, so going with the chalk running backs there. Where do you get different? Amonra St. Brown, 38.4, again, at 6.7% ownership. Uh, Brevin Jordan at tight end. Dolphins DST, three snowflakes in the lineup, but ultimately, it doesn't matter when you have Jamar Chase and Amonra St. Brown and Joe Burrow putting up all these points. Which see is something we talk about a lot for GPP. Like you can have a few duds, but if you hit on the ones that go off, ultimately that's what matters. Yeah, I mean, if you had Burrow and Chase in your lineup, you were probably cashing. That's two guys. I mean, you know what I mean? Like your other, the rest of your team would have to like all be complete duds for you not to cash. So, and I'm not saying you had, you know, you had to have them to cash, but your point is really well taken. There, there are a few guys that are going to smash on the slate. Some they might be chalky, they might not be. But if you can find those guys, whether it's in your cash or GPP lineups, it's going to be a good week. If you don't find those guys, you can still cash. But if you find them, you're good to go. You can have some swings and misses like this guy did with or girl did with uh, Brevin Jordan, um, the Dolphins defense, and uh, T. Higgins. That, T. Higgins wasn't a disaster, but certainly not what the expectation was. Just a quick programming update as well. Starting at next week, uh, this podcast will only be released on Thursdays. We're not going to do the recap because obviously we're talking about the playoffs at that point and you know half half of the the players involved in the playoffs are going to be eliminated. So we will have two podcasts that come out on Thursday. One will preview each Saturday slate, one will preview each Sunday slate. So you can look for that in your feed, but just a heads up uh, that there will not be a Tuesday podcast next week. We're going to take a quick break and when we return, 
We'll take a, a quick look. We'll wrap up the show here with an early look at week 18. Uh, we'll do that here. Fantasy Football Today DFS. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, so week 18, we already talked about it at the top. It's a very unique slate. I don't think we're going to go as deep into the pricing as we normally would because there's a lot of moving parts and we'll be talk, uh, we'll be able to talk about that more accurately come Thursday's podcast. It is a 13-game main slate. No Chiefs, no Cowboys, no Chargers on the slate. The Chiefs and Cowboys are playing on Saturday, not against each other separately. The Chargers are playing on Sunday night football. 15-point totals. Forget about it. We only have one game currently over 45 points, and that is the Seahawks and the Cardinals. Uh, they are currently sitting at 48 points, which I think makes sense because we're going to have more backups playing. It's colder weather, so on and so forth. We currently have uh, three double-digit favorites. The Bills are minus 17 hosting the Jets. The Colts are minus 15 and a half at the Jaguars, and the Titans are minus 10 and a half at the Texans. This could turn into four games because Baker Mayfield is out, and I assume the Bengals will be big favorites as well, but I think that game is currently off the board. At least it is over at Caesars. So uh, we'll let you know more about that one on Thursday. Again, got to pay attention to players chasing records, milestones, and obviously uh, statistical bonuses here in the final week of the season. Teams that have something to play for, whether it's playoffs, trying to get into the playoffs, or seeding within the playoffs in the AFC. The Ravens, the Bills, the Bengals, the Colts, the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Chargers, the Patriots, the Steelers, and the Texans. In terms of just do or die, they have to win. That's the Ravens, the Colts, the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Steelers. Over in the NFC, we're looking at the Cardinals, the Rams, the Saints, and the 49ers. They all have something to play for this week. The team that really has nothing to play for, that's the Green Bay Packers. They have clinched the number one seed and the bye in the NFC. The playoffs will go through Green Bay this season. And you know, Aaron Rodgers already said that he wants to play. I don't think it's going to happen. Probably not going to happen. Doesn't make sense. Obviously, dealing with the toe injury. Rest up. Let's see you uh, in the playoffs in a couple of weeks. Some injuries. Baker Mayfield dealing with that shoulder. He's already been ruled out. The Browns are not playing for anything here in Week 18 either. Uh, Lamar Jackson has a chance to play, which feels like we've been saying that each of the past couple of weeks. So we'll see if it could actually happen here in a do-or-die game for the Baltimore Ravens. Let's start off at the quarterback position. We have one quarterback currently over 8K. That is Josh Allen at 8,100. We have five more at 7K or higher. Rodgers, Brady, Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, and Lamar Jackson. Sia, we'll start with you. It's very hard to say right now. I understand that. But uh, any higher-end quarterbacks that you were looking at here in Week 18? 
So Josh Allen is interesting to me because, correct me if I'm wrong, you might have just said this, but technically they they do want to win this game. There is motivation to play this game, right? For the the Buffalo Bills. Yes, the Bills are, yep, they have something to play for. So, and I think that, I think the common perception might be, well, they'll be so far ahead by the middle of the game that maybe they'll take Josh Allen out or something like that. But I'm not so sure that's the case, the way the Jets have been fighting. So the, the reality is, I think Josh Allen is an interesting pay up option. Other pay up options I like, I think Kyler Murray is definitely interesting at home against Seattle. Like that team definitely, you know, nice win last week, but they still need to get right with the passing game. They have something to play for as well. Going back to Matt Stafford is, you know, not something I really want to do, but I think he's a pretty good option in sort of that upper tier. And then some kind of pay down puntish options that I like. Again, it's early. Uh, Trey Lance, let's see what happens with him and Jimmy Garoppolo. Davis Mills, I think, is kind of sneaky against Tennessee. We'll uh, we'll have to monitor that situation. But, I, you know, Davis Mills is going to play the full game. And, and honestly, he still has plenty to prove. He's He's been playing pretty well. I think you can beat Tennessee's secondary, even though Jalen, uh, I, I said Jalen Wall, but Tua didn't do that last week. And the, the last guy, punchish range, is um, Tyler Huntley. I don't think Lamar Jackson's going to play this weekend. And I think Tyler Huntley against Pittsburgh's defense is, is a viable, uh, somewhat low-cost play. All right, Tyler Huntley currently checking in at 5,700 over on DraftKings. I was going to say, yeah, whoever plays quarterback for the Ravens, again, a do-or-die game, I think it makes a lot of sense to target that quarterback. And uh, I think Kyler Murray. I, I like Kyler Murray here uh, in Week 18. Both uh, the Cardinals and the Rams uh, have something to play for here in terms of the NFC West. So I do have some interest in Kyler Murray myself. Mike, any early leans here on the quarterback position in Week 18? Yeah, it's very interesting, and we'll know a little tiny bit more uh, after Saturday because the Chiefs play early. That which I would, if Mahomes is on the slate, I would play him because they actually have a ton of motivation. Based on what happens, they can drop all the way to the number four seed when it looks like they potentially could have had that number one seed had they beaten Cincinnati. Uh, so watch out for that because the if they happen to lose to the Broncos, the Bills and uh, the Bengals could both potentially jump the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, but right now it's Kyler Murray for me. They're still playing to win that division. Uh, I think that I'll end up in that position most likely. The game time starts at the same time as the 49ers and the Rams. Uh, so both of those games are going to be pretty heavily contested. They still want to go in there and win the division. Potential playoff seeding and potential first round matchups are what's going to matter the most. Um, I do like Josh Allen a little bit because I do think that they want to keep the foot on the pedal a little bit more than people might think. Um, just based off playoff seating, we'll know a lot more based on how uh, the Kansas City Chiefs game goes on Saturday. All right. At the running back position, we have Jonathan Taylor up at 9,300. The next closest running back behind him is Alvin Kamara. A few other running backs that stood out to me. David Montgomery, uh, he's just getting so much volume right now. Not really efficient, but I mean, volume is what we look at most. And he's priced up a little bit more to 6,800. I'm wondering if the Packers rest their starters. That probably includes A.J. Dillon. I don't know. Maybe they still just run him out there and they just keep Aaron Jones safe. So I guess that's a possibility. A.J. Dillon is down at 6,300. And see your boy, Devin Singletary, 6K going up against the New York Jets. They are playing for something. The Bills are again here in Week 18. Any running backs that stand out to you and... Any other positions, because I know you've got to run Sia. For those who don't know, Sia has a big boy job, too. So this is just this is a little side gig. 
Little side gig. Uh, yeah, I guess this is this is really my real job, but you won't hear me telling my real job that. Uh, the the point is, uh, listen, I, I agree with you on AJ Dillon in, in the in what you were kind of implying. I don't think he plays a full complement. They they have a third stringer that actually got in there last game that I think will probably play the second half. That's just my guess there. I like Jonathan Taylor at the Jags. I like Devin Singletary again. Uh, you know, we'll have to see what happens with James Conner, but I think either him or Chase Edmonds are in play. And then I'll just run by just a, a few receivers. Again, it's super early in the week, given this week 18 status. It's it's very tenuous. We'll have more, way more clarity on Thursday, in my opinion. But a few wide receivers just to name um, Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham, uh, Christian Kirk. I put down here Marquise Brown. If you're playing maybe Huntley, maybe a stacking with a Brown or, you know, Mark Andrews, of course. Some low cost options that I think are interesting. Uh, Gabriel Davis. You know, some of those second and third tier Tampa Bay Buccaneers receivers, Cyril Grayson, we saw him catch the game-winning touchdown against Frank Stample's New York Jets. Uh, Rashad Perryman as a dart. Antoine Wesley has really emerged as an option for Kyler Murray. He's somebody you can include in a Kyler Murray stack. So that's pretty much the run of it for me. And I will see all of you guys on Thursday. All right, Thursday it is. As always, we appreciate your time. See ya. Thank you. Mike, at running back, uh, I know... You know, the usual recipe is you, you, you find some mid-tier value, you spend up at the wide receivers. I can't imagine that you're, you're going to change that recipe at this point in the season. Are there any value running backs that you are looking at at this point in the week? Not a lot of value sticking out yet. Uh, there will be on Thursday, I would assume, but I assume we're going to have enough value across the board. Uh, so I actually have a little tiny interest in Jonathan Taylor, but the guy that I'm probably most interested in here is Najee Harris, 7,200. After watching him get 28 carries last night, uh, I think that we could see a little bit more of that. Again, I expect him to be heavily involved in what is likely Big Ben's final game. Uh, they need a lot to go their way, including to win this game. Um, I, so I think that that could be an interesting spot. Chase Edmonds would be the immediate uh, middle of the road kind of guy, 5,800. I would expect James Conner to, since he missed the last one where we thought he would play, I, I guess he sits again and they rest him and make sure he's really ready for playoffs. Uh, but, but we will see what kind of news we get there. If not, I could see maybe getting to Connor. Uh, the AJ Dillon thing is super interesting. Other than that, uh, maybe Le'Veon Bell, maybe um, <laughs> against Carolina. Right. Ronald Jones banged up. You know, they're all kind of banged up in that backfield. The whole team is really fighting through some injuries right now. So that's probably where I'm looking as of right now, but it, it really is going to dictate, you know, we'll have a lot more for you on Thursday for sure. Man, week 18 in the season of 2021. Obviously now we're in 2022. We're talking about Le'Veon Bell here in week 18. He's 5K. I know you're right. Uh, their, their backfield is beat up. Fournette is on IR. Ronald Jones dealing with an injury. Keyshawn Vaughn also beat up there. So yeah, Le'Veon Bell could be in play. We know Tom Brady likes to throw to his running backs quite a bit uh, a few of the running backs in that mid-tier range I think Elijah Mitchell and Sony Michelle in that same game going up against each other they're both 6k and the first game back for Mitchell he's, he's a full workload he's catching touchdowns obviously Sony Michelle the workload has been there really for the past month for him so I do like both of those the other situation I want to pay attention to Damian Harris left last week and if he's out Ramondre Stevenson this guy could play man he is He's explosive. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. I think at their core, the Patriots still want to run the football more than anything else. 
But yeah, if uh, if Damian Harris is out or even limited, I think Ramondre Stevenson at 5,900 is someone we can look at as well. At wide receiver, Cooper Cup, $9,700, the highest priced player over on DraftKings this week. Devontae Adams, a close second at 9,400, though. Again, I think we're going to be fading all of the Packers here in week, week 18. We have three more over 8K. Debo Samuel at 8,500, Jamar Chase now up to 8,300, Justin Jefferson at 81. And one other name I think could wind up being very popular here, Mike, is Deontay Johnson, 7,600 in what I think should be a competitive game against the Steelers and the Ravens. Yeah, no, I definitely think that that game could be very competitive. Uh, along those lines, I still kind of like Ray Ray McLeod too, 3,800. Uh, Look, he had 10 targets last night. We know Ben's still going to throw the football, especially on his way out here. Like, just because it's a must-win game and not at home doesn't mean they're not going to let him throw. He, he's going to throw. He's going to go out throwing, in my opinion. So uh, I do like Ray Ray McLeod a little bit. I do like Deontay Johnson. Um, based on the inputs, though, you know, earlier in the show, I mentioned I'll have one lineup that's basically just going to be that entire afternoon slate. Uh, based on how the Arizona situation, Anton Wesley, what, $4,100. If I play Kyler Murray, you might be able to get uh, Cooper Cup in the lineups as well. Um, there's just a lot of a lot of moving pieces early this week. Braxton Berrios, $4,900. Like if he's going to continue to have that role, we're not used to seeing that price tag being something we want to get in on, but probably still a decent value at this point. Um, yeah, there's going to be a lot, a lot of options here this week. Yep. Yep. For sure. And I do think, um, Obviously, the Colts have a lot to play for in that game. They are massive favorites. You know, Michael Pittman, I'll just throw the name out there. He's 5,900 and, and see, has seen a bunch of targets. I just, I think, like, once we figure out, you know, which backups, which players are maybe out potentially for the Green Bay Packers and any other team, like, it's just going to open up so much value at wide receiver and tight end. So, again, you know, maybe this is the week that we're looking to spend up at running back for JT and even Najee Harris, as you mentioned there, Mike. Let's move on to the tight end position and we'll wrap up there. Mark Andrews is the highest priced tight end at 7,500. George Kittle is second at 6,700. Uh, and as I just mentioned, I think a lot of value is probably going to open up at this position, which will make it interesting to uh, spend up at other spots this week. Yeah, it's definitely a, a lot. I mean, right now, the only guy that I'm confident that I'm going to have in lineups is going to be Zach Ertz. Um, look, I, I think that they still have enough to play for. Price point's kind of middling at 5,300. Like, it's not super prohibitive by any means. So, a lot of Zach Ertz early uh, in a lot of these builds. Other than that, I, I think you could begin to start punting uh, in some of the other spots. But at the top for me, it'll be Zach Ertz. All right. And that is exactly where we're going to wrap up for Mike. I am Frank. For Mike and Sia, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Football Today. DFS will be back again on Thursday to deep dive the entire crazy wonky week 18 slate. We will see you then.